Hello and welcome to another Life and Wellbeing Education podcast recorded here at Durham School. My name's Mrs Thompson and I'm Head of Life and Wellbeing Education and also one of the senior house mistresses. And today I'm joined by Dr Burns, the Deputy Head Pastoral. Hello Dr Burns. Good morning. Um, it would be lovely for our listeners to hear a little bit more about yourself. Well, I've been here for 15 years now and I teach in the Modern Languages Department, but most of my job is spent in my role as Deputy Head Pastoral. And it's a really interesting job because it deals with people and particularly issues of welfare and how they're coping at school and safeguarding, which is protecting children from risk. So it's a really, really interesting and really varied job. Good. I mean, it sounds like you're going to be very busy anyway. Yes, never a dull moment. <laughs> well, thank you for giving up your time today. And uh, I thought actually we'd talk about consent. Um, this is really kind of quite a big topic. Um, something that I think our listeners sort of need to know about if they didn't already. Um, probably about how it impacts on their life. Um, perhaps also give them some support, um, especially if they're needing help at any point. Um, so I guess probably the best way to describe consent is a bit like giving permission for something would you say that's a good place to start? It's a really good place to start and consent is a really complex thing and it's something that maybe when you're starting in secondary school it's not necessarily particularly relevant but as you get older and as you move through adolescence and towards adulthood it becomes increasingly important and relevant to you and I think it is helpful to look at it in terms of permission because that's something that our pupils are very used to so if you want to do something you ask your parents if you can have permission or you ask your housemaster if you can have permission and it's very clear so you ask the question and the person who has the authority in that situation says yes or no and that's that's really clear so I think it's a good place to start when we start to think about that more complex question of consent. Yeah I mean and one of the things I mean it's, it's very simple even at the most basic level you know if you want to borrow something from someone you say please can I borrow your rubber um, or if you have a sibling at home you know can I go and borrow your dress and you know that if you don't get consent you're going to get somebody who's being quite grumpy quite upset about that so even that sort of level of consent whilst you know, it's not going to cause a huge um, problem for you in terms of any law, which I know we'll talk about later. But it's sort of, you know, you know you're going to upset somebody by not asking for that permission. Um, I think there's lots of things that I can think of as a, as a house mistress in terms of consent where it's a little bit more hard hitting. And that's perhaps where it kind of starts to um, talk a little bit more about this idea of communication and having a really positive uh, conversation with something. Um, some, with somebody about something. I mean, I suppose one of the things that we're probably aiming for today is to talk about consent um, between people. And I know that if you read a lot of stuff in sort of newspapers, uh, magazines, hear the news, um, you know, we're talking about sort of maybe things like touching. Um, you know, that's kind of a big thing when we talk about consent. Um, I mean, I know that we cover sort of, you know, there's a lot of areas where touching might happen where do you think you would sort of normally hear about those kinds of consent so it very much depends on who you're talking about and the circumstances they're in but that idea of physical contact is something that crops up in lots of different areas of people's lives here so for example in sports a lot of people here play physical sports and there is a degree of physical contact there and that's very much within the the rules of the game and um, you know, hugging is something that we see quite a lot. That's what people are quite familiar with. Hand-holding, that kind of thing. There, there are lots of different types of physical contact that are, under normal circumstances, quite common. 
Um, at the moment, obviously, when we're dealing with lockdown restrictions and so on, that whole idea of physical contact with other people is something we're very, very conscious of now. And and I think that's helpful to us when it when we think about consent, because we're already very conscious of giving other people some space. And so what this comes down to is it's the appropriateness of physical contact and the boundaries between people. And if I take, you know, the sport, for example, everyone knows in rugby that you're going to be tackled. So that's a, that's a part of the experience that you have and people accept that. And so they, they're all there on the understanding that it's going to happen. That kind of physical contact in a different situation is not appropriate because we don't go around rugby tackling each other and that's not appropriate. So it's about knowing what's right in the circumstances in which you find yourself. Um, at the moment, like I say, you know, people are, are deliberately putting quite a lot of space between themselves. And so I think it's something that is probably a question that's in a lot of people's minds at the moment. Yeah. And I guess one of the other things is that, you know, we're talking about sort of lockdown and, you know, hospitals and doctors, you know, to a, a certain degree. Uh, again, you come to those places for support and help and there may be a need to sort of touch your ankle, touch your hand or whatever it is regarding sort of your ailments or, or needs. Um, but quite often you find even doctors now asking, is it okay? Can I can I hold your ankle? Can I touch your hand? Can I? And there's almost sort of, you know, whilst we still accept that this is an area where you have come, you know, out of your own sort of way to come and ask for that support. Um, there is still a professionalism there as well. I know that obviously teachers, again, you know, they they have their distance. So there's a lot of consent in lots of different areas where, yes, you understand that by going in to that game of rugby, that there's boundaries already are set and we have an understanding about that. But I guess one of the things that um, I wanted to kind of go back to in terms of the hospital is thinking about boundaries. But actually, if there was ever a time where there was a discussion about um, keeping something a secret, that's that's not right. Um, you know, it's, it's not okay for someone to say, um, I've touched your ankle, but don't tell anybody. Um, you know, that would raise an alarm, wouldn't it? It would, and I think around that, that question, there are issues of consent, first of all, which is what you've said, which is the, it's explaining what you're going to do. So, you know, you have an injury, a doctor needs to touch that injury in order to check that you're okay, but they will explain what they're doing and they will explain why, and they'll check that you're comfortable, that you know what's going to happen, because what they don't want to do is do something that makes you feel uncomfortable or catches you by surprise. Um, I think as well it's about that transparency so there's a very good reason for the doctor doing that they're trying to help you you agree to that and therefore it's very open very transparent and very clear to everyone who's involved in any situation where someone were to touch you and expect that to be a secret or secretive between you that's where things start to go wrong actually and what you're looking at there is a, a situation where people might feel very uncomfortable they might feel very vulnerable on one side on the other side, the person who doesn't seek that consent, the person who isn't transparent or who isn't clear about what they're doing and why, runs the risk of getting themselves into a lot of trouble or causing offence, which is obviously something that we want to avoid. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that we've not yet covered, actually, is the idea of what is consent. And when we do actually need to give consent, surely the only way that we can give consent is by saying the word yes. You know, the idea of nodding or kind of going, OK, or maybe that's not actually consent. The only time that you could ever give consent for anything is actually giving a very firm yes mm -hmm. and being very confident about that. And so I guess like like we're talking about here, if you suddenly felt that uncomfortable, you felt like you've been put in a position, then you need to really have the confidence to say no 
or actually can I go and talk to somebody about that um, you know because that is the only way that that communication which goes back to the original point that we were talking about at the beginning is that communication has to be really clear so that we understand if you are going to give consent for any form of touching it is either a yes or it doesn't happen mm. I would say that yeah I think so and I think we're moving into a different kind of territory here aren't we so we're thinking about the principles of consent seeking permission getting a clear answer transparency um but life isn't always that straightforward and there are times whenever particularly if you're experiencing something for the first time you've not been in a situation before like this it it can be a little bit confusing and i think that's where you're right about the confidence if something's happening to you whatever it happens to be and it makes you feel uncomfortable you've got to have that trust in your own gut instinct. If this doesn't feel right, if this feels difficult, you've got to have the confidence to protect yourself and say no. Think about yourself as your own best friend. Would you ever want your own best friend to feel under pressure or feel uncomfortable about something? No, of course you wouldn't. And you would step in to protect them from that. So in a way we have to be our own best friend and step in and protect ourselves on that, in that way by saying no to things if we're not happy. No doesn't have to be a straight no, it can also be I don't like this, um, I'm not sure about this, but saying that with confidence I think is really, really important. And equally, I think we've all got to learn to look at that from the other side too. We can all behave in ways that make other people feel uncomfortable sometimes, but we have to watch their body language, we have to listen to what they're saying to us, so that if somebody is giving us signals that this is not a yes, this is a no, this is a I'm uncomfortable, we have to listen to that and allow that to influence our own behavior yeah i think that's absolutely really important i mean that body language you know again you kind of know from looking at somebody if they whether it's in their eyes or whether it's in their body postures you know they're giving off other signals in other ways but you're quite right i think if that you know by saying it's not a no or it's just a, a maybe you know i'm not sure I, you know any kind of hesitation is actually saying to that other person actually i'm not giving consent i haven't given you a straightforward consent um and yes again would be the only way that you'd actually be able to confidently say maybe um through sort of looking at them seeing that the body language looks quite happy and quite relaxed or you know quite confident in some way that that yes is actually meaning yes yeah. i mean oh go on well i was going to say actually i think most people's first encounter with the word consent mm. actually comes when they consider the age of consent and mm -hmm. i wonder whether that's something that's worth exploring a bit because the age of consent in this country is 16 years of age and what that means is, and it's with particular reference to sexual relationships, what it means is before the age of 16, you are not in a position to give your consent. You're not allowed to give your consent. And that law is there to protect people who are perhaps too young to deal with those sorts of questions and to make a meaningful decision about whether they want to do something or not. And that's not to patronise anybody, but it's a, it's a reflection of the fact that before 16, you can't give that consent, full, understanding fully what all the consequences will be necessarily. So I think that's, that's a really interesting one to think about because after the age of 16, you're given that legal right to make those decisions about yourself. So maybe as you run up to that age, you need to start thinking about the things that you are comfortable with and the things that you're not comfortable with and actually practice saying yes and no to things in an assertive way to prepare yourself for the next stage. And it's probably worth pointing out too that just because you've turned 16 doesn't mean you have to start saying yes to these things at all. There's no expectation. It's just saying that before that age, you absolutely cannot. And so anything of that nature that happens is actually illegal. 
and there are some serious consequences for that kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, definitely. I mean, in terms of the 16, you know, I think a lot of people don't appreciate that, you know, that kind of consent, if it's not gathered, you know, whether you are under 16 and you're with somebody else who's under 16, you know, you've got to look at the sort of the wider complications here that, um, you know, I've, I mean, we've, again, we see a lot of things in the media, on the news, and, you know, you hear about someone who might be 16, who is, you know, with a 15, you know, you're a person who's 15 years of age. And actually the implications of consent there is far more extreme for somebody who is of 16 years of age to someone who's 15 years of age, because, of course, they suddenly fall into the land of the law. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could be looking at a caution, you could be looking at a fine, you could be looking at imprisonment. And, and actually, possibly the sex offenders list, if it's of a sexual nature, that idea of what the consent is. So I think that there's, you know, a huge scope here that for those people, particularly in years 9, 10 and 11, that they are gaining that understanding now. And like you say, training, understanding that there has to be boundaries. You have to understand what is yes, what is no, and what is actually maybe or body language saying no, thank you. Understanding all that now before you actually get to a point where you are legally responsible for your actions and actually it's taken out of the hands of sort of parents and schools and, um, you know, the far, far bigger problems. I mean, actually, you know, I don't know if you remember, um, Dr. Burns, but when I was at school, there was this trend and it's, I mean, thankfully this, this kind of falls into the idea of consent now, where boys used to think that it was okay to pull on a girl's bra, bra strap I mean, that is just sort of disgraceful now as we see it. I don't know if you remember sort of that happening at school, but for now, this is, that's, it's not banter, it's not funny, it's not a joke. And actually with the new sort of laws that we have in place now, sort of not to say how many years ago that was when we were at school, but so many years later, you know, there are now very clear guidelines on what is not acceptable as a joke or banter. And, you know, you can't go around doing those kind of things. Mm. I think one of the... One of the things that I work with very closely is something called Keeping Children Safe in Education, which is it's guidance from the government, from the Department for Education, which says how things should be done in schools. And one of the things they make absolutely clear is that any behaviour of that nature, so any kind of um, physical behaviour that's unwanted, is to be considered as harassment. You know, it's not banter, it's not a joke. We can't dismiss it as those things. The government is telling us that we can't dismiss it as those things, not that we ever would. But it's, it's just so incredibly clear, and I think sometimes people don't necessarily know quite how seriously that can be taken. And the reason why it's so important in schools to get that message across to people, and why it's so important that we have life and wellbeing education, is to prepare people for the point at which, as you say, they're going to move out of home eventually. They're going to move out of school. They're not going to have that same level of supervision and support and help and guidance from adults around them. And they'll go off to university and if they make that kind of mistake at that point, without knowing quite how seriously it can be taken, well, people have been thrown out of university for that kind of thing. People have lost their jobs for that kind of behaviour. And at that point, you find yourself in a terrible situation when you were ignorant of what you were doing, possibly, that you didn't really know that it was as serious as it was. So that's why we're telling people this now. And that's why the school rules stress this so clearly because it's important that we all learn that that respect for other people's boundaries and that consent consent concept is um is as important as it is yeah it's it's interesting because one of the things that um i guess what i wanted to look at was maybe a, a scenario situation as well where would you find 
um, consent. And what's interesting is that we've talked a little bit about sort of boundaries and, and sort of touching and that kind of thing. But actually, one of the things that comes under the idea of, of consent is also um, sharing of images. Um, this idea, I know that, you know, a lot of people will understand it to be under the word or the term sexting, um, where it doesn't have to be images, of course, it could be words. But quite often now, um, again, I think I probably don't read too much, too many news articles about this to sort of know that this is this is an issue that kind of lies very much um, in that younger generation's idea when they're building up relationships that they think it's okay to share, um, you know, the odd sneaky picture, um, exchange um, conversations of a, a more sort of sexy or sexual nature. And again, that is now very firmly under the, the rules and the law of the land. Um, I know that there's a, a particular uh, video that is very available now, and I'll maybe put it through to our viewers for they can, so they can see, which is from a company called Seop. And they have, you know, uh, two children, I'm saying two children, they, they look at the, sort of the age of 15, 16, um, and they've obviously in a relationship, what I would class as a healthy relationship, they obviously have good trust, which I think is very important. Um, and the girl in, in whatever shape or form feels that it was okay to send her boyfriend a picture of her that's sort of slightly half dressed. And of course, he's, he's very pleased with it. He obviously seems that as a exciting picture and um, he's obviously very proud of his girlfriend and what does he do he shares it with his best friend to show you know this is this is my girlfriend um but i think a lot of people don't realize that actually they've both broken the law in some way because they've shared an image and actually this isn't nothing to do about being age 16 this is now under the age of 18 sharing with images is this something that you've come across quite regularly in your sort of understanding of deputy head yeah i think we know what happens. We do. Um, and I suppose what I'd want to say is that what I see attached to that kind of thing sometimes is this real sense of shame in that people do sometimes do things. They make a bad decision. They take a picture. They send a picture. They perhaps share a picture. And afterwards, they regret that because it does get out. It's very hard to control any kind of information that you send in that way. And the fact is, if we go back to that question of the age of consent, any picture or image that's sexualized in any way of a child who's under the age of 16 is illegal. And it's it's something that they're, you know, it can generate an awful lot of really serious consequences for people. So this is a really dangerous situation. Over the age of 16, consent can be given, but it's not necessarily a sensible thing to do because again, you you lose control of that kind of um of that kind of information about mm -hmm. yourself. So I think people have to be very cautious about it. And I say this with no judgment, you know, people's relationships and their private lives are their own business. But the problem with this is it becomes very, very public, very, very easily, and it puts people in a very vulnerable position. Um, I am aware of situations where someone has done something once. They might have sent a picture of themselves. It was a little bit ill-advised. Maybe it wasn't too bad, but it was a little bit embarrassing. The other person on the other end of that, the person receiving that suddenly has an awful lot of power. And it's very easy to say to someone, look, okay, if you, you know, you sent me this one picture, if you don't send me more of that kind of picture, then I'm going to tell your mum or I'm going to show my friends. And very quickly, the power in that relationship and the trust in that relationship changes completely and puts people in an incredibly vulnerable position. So for that reason too, bear in mind that you are giving someone something that gives them control over you. And I think in a lot of situations that can be very, very dangerous. 
So I don't want to scare monger. I don't want to, you know, to upset or distress anybody with this. But at the same time, we've got to think really, really carefully before we make that kind of decision because it can put ourselves and other people in a very, very difficult position very quickly. Yeah. And I think, you know, in terms of consent, you know, you may have consented to have taken that photograph and shared it with that one person. But like you say, the, the element of trust and the, the danger that that might present itself is, is quite, quite big. Yeah. And of course, it still lands um, with the law to um, many degrees. I understand it, actually, it's under the age of 18 of sharing photographs. But one of the things that um, I think that people need to kind of bear in mind more than anything else is that think before you send. I mean, if you were, you know, if you take a photograph and then you were happy to show your grandma or your mum or your dad that picture before you sent it and you're quite confident that that was all right you know then fine but if you go oh my goodness I could never show my grandma or my mum or my dad then actually should you be sharing it with anybody else because like you say you open yourself up to all sorts of other issues that sort of surround that um, and again if you're under a certain age um, you know it doesn't matter if you have sent a picture at 15 and consented you're not old enough to consent no. to those kind of things but even if we jump to the other end of that spectrum let's say you're 18 you're both 18 you're in a relationship and this is something that you do fine okay so there's no legal problem there not all relationships that you have at the age of 18 will last and they won't all end in a friendly way if someone has this information about you and they later feel some kind of grievance against you or they're upset that you dumped them what might they do with that information and you know not everyone is like that people aren't all mean and malicious but things can go wrong sometimes and we have no control over that and the problem with these images and these texts and this kind of information is that it's permanent and people talk about their footprint a lot don't they online mm -hmm. this is your online footprint if you're sharing these things with people and so you have to be really really careful that your future self is not going to have to take some really serious consequence for some silly kind of thoughtless behaviour that you got involved in when you were 18 years of age. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of coming to the end nearly of our podcast here. Um, and I think this is in itself such a big topic that we could probably talk for quite, you know, quite a bit longer. So I think we probably will look at some uh, further and uh, future podcasts, I think. But just to kind of start to summarise a little bit, I mean, consent, we started off by saying that this was, um, you know, something about permission, giving permission for something. You know, we've covered this idea of communication, good positive communication, making sure that people feel that the body language and the words that have been expressed are giving consent for whatever it is that you're consenting to. But as we're starting to sort of, you know, um, develop into here, this is very much about sort of um, a conversation between two people. It may involve um, the body in some way, shape or form. So I think one of the things that we have to say is, number one, we need to be active, you know, that active in saying yes, and that yes is consent. Um, but again, we have to be aware that you can't give consent if you're under the age of 16. And we've kind of said that very clearly because that's very much the law in the UK. And also, actually, equal power. You picked up on that, actually, about this idea of having equal power. Um, because, you know, I don't know, you could, you could be quite vulnerable to a certain extent. I mean, drinking is, is another one that we've, we've talked about between us in, you know, for other reasons. Yeah, we have. And alcohol does tend to start emerging in people's social lives at different stages. Different families and different friendship groups have different attitudes to alcohol. Um, but sometimes it tends to creep in 15, 16 years of age where it might be something that's in your social life. Um, and with that, I mean, alcohol reduces people's inhibitions and it interferes with their judgment. So sometimes under the influence of alcohol, they will make decisions that in the cold light of day, they would never make. But because they've had alcohol and because a lot of people aren't used to alcohol, 
um, it can make them do things that they wouldn't otherwise do. So I think that's something to be very cautious of. And and I guess speaking to a group of of friends, you've got to look out for each other. If you see somebody who's under the influence of alcohol in a situation and you know that they're putting themselves in danger or at risk, please don't leave them on their own. Please step in and look after them and make sure they're okay. Um, you know, we prefer you not to get yourselves into that situation at all. But if it happens, it's really important that the people around you look after you. Yeah. So I think that's one thing that interferes with, with people's judgment. But I think we've also got to recognise too that your feelings can interfere with your judgment. You know, if you've got your first relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend, your feelings are very, very strong. And sometimes you need to just remind yourself to take your time to make the right decision because those strong feelings can influence us to do things that we wouldn't otherwise do. So, so yes, that equality, I think, has to take account of, well, it has to be about respect. So in that relationship, you really want a situation where both of you listen to one another. Both of you respect what the other person wants. And if those things are different that you have a discussion about that, that you're transparent about that and that you agree about what's going to happen in your relationship. Thinking long term, that is what is going to make that relationship successful. Yeah. The thing that will make that relationship unsuccessful is when one person puts too much pressure on the other, doesn't respect the other person's views and the other person therefore feels vulnerable, feels uncomfortable with, with what's going on. Yeah, and the, the, the lack of boundaries as well that yeah. we've talked about yeah. before. Um, and again, it's just worth reminding listeners, of course, again, equal power will be very unbalanced as well, um, particularly for somebody who's over the 16, over the age of 16, with somebody who is under the age of 16 yeah. as well, so it's worth mentioning that. Um, but also, you know, again, you've already t- touched this, uh, touched on this, which is the idea of choice and and making sure that you understand that there there is a, a very clear sort of you know yes or no. You don't have to do anything. It is a choice. But again, it's sort of that training and that understanding now that you can say no when things are making you feel uncomfortable. Can I mention peer pressure at that? Point? Of course you can. Yeah. Because I think sometimes. You might have the impression that everybody else is doing it. Everybody oh, yes. else has been drinking. Yeah. Everybody else is, you know, they've got a boyfriend. Everybody else is sexually active. That's nonsense. Yeah. That is bravado. And a lot of the time it's it's plain lies. And I think you've all got to be aware within your peer groups of the pressure you put on one another and the way in which people can feel that, well, if everyone else is doing it, then I should. That is not the case. And, you know, it is, we all want to, to do similar things to our friends and we don't want to feel that we're being left behind. But don't believe the hype. Don't believe everything that people tell Mm -hmm. you because it's not necessarily true. Even if it were true, it doesn't matter because it's your values, your hopes for yourself, your comfort with what you're doing that's really important. And if there is behaviour going on around you, whether it's true or false, but if it's going on around you and you think that's not for me, I don't like how that feels, I don't feel ready to think about those things, you've got to have the confidence of your convictions. And that's hard. That's really, really hard. But you've got to have the confidence of your convictions and think to yourself, well, no, that I'm not going to consent to that. I'm not going to get involved in behaviour that I'm not comfortable with. Yeah. And reputation. I mean, the reputational damage that actually, you know, if you think that everybody's doing it, which, again, we've decided it's not, it's not true, um, and that you go ahead thinking it's OK. And then that kind of gets out that, you know, you've been involved in something and people kind of look at you differently. And then, you know, you become that person who they remember at school who did this. Mm-hmm. And actually, reputation is something that, again, we all have in our power to look after and we've got to remind ourselves that you know reputation it can be quite you know quite important between sort of now and even sort of in the workplace and sort of you know your future 
So kind of protecting that, making sure that you hold that really true to yourself and look after yourself in yeah. lots of different ways. It's one of those long-term consequences, isn't it? It really is. Um, that it's Your future self will pay for yeah. whatever it is that you're doing today, so it's it's important to look after them, really. Definitely. Yeah. And then I say, well, one of the things I would say is like, the finally, is it's a process. You know, consent requires ongoing conversations, lots of trust. Um, and, you know, again, we know that saying yes, um, you know, to, to, to making out or whatever you like to call it, you know, it, it, you can change your mind um, as well. You know, so you can sort of say, you might say yes, and then actually you might say no. So there's, it is an ongoing conversation that just because they once said yes, that doesn't mean that it's okay for the next time and the next time. It doesn't. It's not a blanket covering for everything else that you might do with that person. It's that yes in that moment, and then actually check it. You know, are you still okay with this? Mm -hmm. You know, and that ongoing. So it is an ongoing conversation. I would say. Well, take it back to what you said right at the beginning. If someone wants to do something in school, and they will have to ask their housemaster's permission to do that, then they get their permission on that occasion. The next time they want to do it. They can't, you know, what going into time, for example, we're not, you know, we're not allowing you to go into time without permission. So you ask on the Monday and your housemaster says, yes, that's fine on the Monday in these circumstances and off you go. That doesn't mean you can go on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday or next March. You've got to check each and every time. And so I think, again, that's a really, really useful analogy to guide how we think about those situations. There's also that video, which I'm sure you've shown in your lessons, of the cup of tea. Oh, yes. You know, you offer one. someone a cup of tea. They want a cup of tea today. Thank you very much. That's lovely. Yes. They might not want a cup of tea tomorrow, so please don't pour it down their throat. It's a very it's a very simple kind of analogy to remind us that it is each and every occasion and that it's perfectly okay not to want a cup of tea one day just because you want one on another occasion. Yeah, and I suppose one thing that really we should sort of, sort of finish off this conversation with is letting people know that if something has gone wrong, that there's a lot of support out there, a lot of people who are very willing to listen and help. Um, trusted adults, obviously teachers, um, you know, housemasters, deputy head pastorals. You know, there's a lot of people who can help in school should you have realised that um, an error has been made or perhaps you're seeing somebody else who's in a very tricky situation and that you're wanting to get some guidance and support. But beyond that, obviously, there's, you know, we, we talked about the police um, and sort of obviously the law and they're very, they're, they're very much there not only to sort of clamp down on people who, you know, have um, done a problem, you know, made a problem for them, but actually they're to support and help and protect those people who are vulnerable, particularly for those who are under the age of 16. Is there any other people that you can think of that would be good support? Um, there are so many. I mean, there are lots of helplines. There are lots of sources of information which we can probably make available to people. So mm -hmm. Childline, NSPCC, all of these different organisations are there to listen if you want to talk to someone about what's going on in your life. But I think you know you can't beat the people that know you well and the people who have watched you grow and the people who care about you. And so I think a lot of people, when they have made a mistake, they've you know they know they've made a mistake and they know that they're in some kind of trouble. It can be very scary to go to a member of staff or go to a parent or a monitor and say, I need some help with this. But there's your opening line. You've just got to break the ice. And honestly, you will find a sympathetic, caring listener who will only have your best interests at heart. So if you do ever find yourself in that corner and you really can't see a way out of it, and you don't know what to do next. Please do not hesitate. Just go to one of those people and say, I need some time with you. Um, can I have five minutes? Something's gone wrong. 
that person will guide you through telling your story and will offer you the help that you need to get out of that situation. So you're never on your own. There will always be somebody who can listen and help. Yeah, and there's nothing worse than sort of bottling something up because actually that eventually will affect you in lots of other ways, yeah. your mental health and all the other things that we sort of tend to talk about on the pastoral front. So absolutely, I think the, the support is there. You've just got to seek it. Hopefully, if you've listened to sort of us and um, you've taken it all in, that you'll sort of bear in mind that if you do get yourself into a situation that the only way that you're consenting is in a certain way it would be over the age of 16 confidently and using the word yes which obviously again is an ongoing process um dr burns it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today um and i think this is a really important topic um and something that again i think we'll probably want to talk about again further um in maybe a different way um but thank you very much uh, for listening to our lwe podcast and uh, and i hope again that if you need any support or help you know that we're here